as an equal and respected member of society. The works of Foucault and Said thus have helped to lay the foundation for the failure of many contemporary intellectuals to condemn the rise of Islamism, Islamism, not in Muslims or Islam, as a social movement, especially in relation to its lack of acceptance of basic notions of others within Islamic society, a cornerstone of democratic principles and human rights, and its vitriolic prejudice against the Jewish people and Israel. This intellectual development should also be considered in the context of global politics and the prevailing environment in many academic institutions where the need for funding unfortunately appears to be having a growing impact on curriculum. Furthermore, Said's attempt to undermine the legitimacy of Jewish self-determination in Israel and the Jewish historical narratives in the diaspora need to be critically examined with regard to the role of the re-emergence of anti-Semitism among intellectuals in the academy. Such a critique of the critique is especially urgent at this time as there seems to be little possibility to address anti-Semitism forcefully within the academy or to express outrage and concern regarding the recent successes of Islamism despite its reactionary agenda and worldview. Instead, these ideological and philosophical foundations enable leading and respected scholars such as Judith Butler and others to argue, Jonathan, uh, Peter Beinhardt and others, to argue that Hamas and Hezbollah ought to be viewed as part of the progressive global left. It is also, it is also uh, encouraged some observers, including academics uh, and even scholars of anti-Semitism, to blame Israel, to blame the Jews, for the rise of anti-Semitism throughout the world. Even in the aftermath of the Holocaust, and despite the academics, the academy's preoccupation with colonialism, racism, sexism, socioeconomic, political, and cultural inequality, domination, and critical understandings of otherness, anti-Semitism, especially its contemporary manifestations, does not exist as an area of study in the mainstream academic uh, curriculum. Unlike other forms of discrimination, anti-Semitism is not an issue of significance. These developments have had an effect on, on, on placing attempts to defend the Jews and their legitimate connection to Israel and Jerusalem, for example, outside the realms of what is acceptable and what is proper. This is, this is, the most, this is most troubling given that the legacy of anti-Semitism in the academy and in Western civilization more, more generally has yet to be understood and addressed in the same way that other forms of discrimination and hatred have been recently. The contemporary perception in some quarters of the Zionist movement as an unfashionable, intellectually defunct, morally bankrupt, morally bankrupt remnant of Western colonial racist culture, a perception that pays no attention to the competing narrative of Jewish national aspirations or the Jew Jewish people's millennia spanning history in the region is therefore a recipe for disaster. At the very least, it creates an uncritical blind spot for the role, of, the role that anti-Semitism plays in the contemporary Middle East. To engage in the study of anti-Semitism is somehow perceived 
as supportive of the Zionist narrative, while the real threat that anti-Semitism poses is not understood and no policies are developed addressed to address it, let alone to stop it. It is this environment, it is in this environment, it is more acceptable to study the role of the church or the role of fascist anti-Semitism rather than contemporary manifestations. In fact, if one looks at the history of anti-Semitism, it was never acceptable to study or examine contemporary, the contemporary moment and the contemporary form of the anti-Semitism at the moment that it occurred. The true challenge of effective and insightful scholarship is to understand the real threat that anti-Semitism poses to people and societies currently and to develop policies to protect ourselves against the threat. However, it is not uncommon to find scholars and institutions that are opposed to the study of contemporary anti-Semitism and or blame Israel for its renewed prevalence without research to back up these claims. This response is not based on sound academic analysis, but notwithstanding finds appreciation of appreciative academic audience and in some cases enjoys the blessing of university administrations eager to receive funding from Gulf states and or to avoid confronting inconvenient truths in the contemporary condition. So I think I'm going to end it, I'll end my discourse on anti-Semitism here. Um, I'll read a little more. Are you okay for 10 more minutes of this? And we have some questions, okay? Daniel Siboni, the French philosopher, provides insight into the above-mentioned attitudes uh, on anti-Semitism, which appears to have taken hold in many elite academic institutions in the West. In fact, Siboni contends that deep down, those who insist on ignoring Islamism and its reactionary agenda are actually anti-Muslims themselves. The silencing of scholars and human rights activists who are concerned about anti-Semitism and human rights in, the, in Middle Eastern societies is a manifestation of a deep fear, or what he calls a phobia, of the Islamic world. This fear, which is combined with guilt over Western colonial legacy in the Middle East, is powerful. As a result, there is a tendency in certain circles to tolerate and justify reactionary Islamic attitudes, including sexism, homophobia, and anti-Semitism, despite their liberal views. It is thus more convenient to blame the Jew for the stalemate in Middle East and Middle East politics and other, other related problems. Siboni traces the colonial the, traces this to a colonial mentality of not expecting the peoples of the Middle East and other parts of the world to adhere to the same criteria of human rights and civility as other civilized people in the West. He also points out to those who continue to highlight these contradictions and dangers eventually come to be perceived as the problem uh, as the problem and are targeted themselves. So those of us who speak about this are often targeted in different ways. Siboni goes further, stating that there is, a, there is a emerging fascination in the West with genocidal anti-Semitism, where genocidal anti-Semitic narratives of radical Islam, or radical Islamism, 
as expressed by the Iranian regime, the Muslim Brotherhood, and other Salafists. In a similar vein, Colin Schindler of the School of Oriental and African Studies argues that the growing red-green alliance, the extreme, extreme Muslim and the extreme left in the West, has come to see the displaced and marginalized members of the Islamic world as the new proletariat who deserve Western liberal support and admiration. Anyone perceived as being critical of the new proletariat is immediately branded as reactionary. In this intellectual climate, vo climate voices, of, of voices condemning brutality, anti-democratic practices, sexism, homophobia, opposition to the minority rights, and other um, violations of the Universal Declaration of, of Rights are often silenced. While expressions of genocidal anti-Semitism are dismissed as poor translation and or hysterical rhetoric fashioned by the Zionist defenders of Israel. Hysteria. This is what makes the task at hand, namely to produce high caliber scholarship and effective policy development and analysis for dealing with contemporary manifestations, in particular its potential genocidal variety, all the more challenging but all the more urgent. So I'll leave it there and I'll be open to comments, critiques, questions.